just a peek behind the curtain. It, it's just really hard to come up with a fun, energetic opening piece, you know, cold open when you're getting ready to talk about two movies that just have you reflecting on life, the, you know, universal condition of people. And yeah, it's just, it's just a lot. It's got me thinking about a lot. It's like my dad used to say, what's remembered lives. Hey fam, welcome to a new episode of Stay Watching Mondays at the Movies. As always, I'm your host, Larry. This week on the podcast, I, I just realized I sound really dour and I don't mean to be, but I am talking about two awards caliber films today. I am talking about Minari and I am talking about Nomadland. And, it, you know, as I said in that that cold opening, and, and I will get into this in, in my review or, or my thoughts of these films, that might be a better way to put it. Um, you know, they do have me reflecting on a lot. And these are very, you know, I, 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 I'm going to say these words and I don't want you to think like, oh, these are gonna be really boring films or these are gonna be, you know, films that aren't going to be worth my time, which, you know, granted, you know, if you if you usually come here for, you know, Marvel and, you know, DC and Star Wars and stuff like that, like these movies probably won't be your thing. But if you are into, you know, what Martin Scorsese would would term cinema, <laughs> sort of joking there, these these are really, you know, th these aren't your kind of action packed films. They aren't the the kind of action packed films that I that I might often talk about. These films are much more meditative uh, on on the human condition, on the American dream, on on capitalism or, or our escape from it. Um, you know, so these these films were a, a bit more serious and a bit less of an escape. You know, again, I just the week before this reviewed uh, <laughs> Judas and the Black Messiah, which is a very heavy film. But, you know, that said, that film was still a, a, a crime drama, like as as much as it was based on a true story. The elements there were incredibly exciting, and if it were not based on a true story, it would still be a, a riveting, exciting piece. These films are riveting in a very different way, and you know, if you are into film, you know, I'm just gonna say it up front. I think both of these films are worth watching. I, I will say that just up top here, um, but just know that they are a different type of film. So hang on, I'm going to get into these two films in just a minute. first film that I want to talk about today is Minari. Uh, it's a film directed by Lee Isaac Chung, who I, I have to admit, I am not 
familiar at all with his work and you know from from what i hear from what i hear about his other films they they are quite good um and from watching this film he's he's clearly an amazing director um but Minari is a semi-autobiographical film. Uh, the, the film was also written by Lee Isaac Chung. Um, and, it, and it's really about this Korean family that is uh, searching from the American dream, uh, as it were. And the, the father of this family moves his family from Los Angeles uh, to the Nebraska countryside to start a farm, to start his kind of own homestead, uh, to carve out a piece of America and freedom, as it were, for his family. Uh, and it really, you know, your, your main POV for this story is really through his children's eyes, most specifically his son, David, um, who is played wonderfully by Alan Kim. This kid uh, is the most adorable. He's such a little scamp in a lot of ways. Um, you know, Alan has this, you know, a Alan has an ailment, and so, you know, part of the story kind of revolves around the family's fear uh, of Alan um, dying young and and not wanting to put himself in, in situations where he might overexert and, and cause his heart to fail. Um, you know, so that, that provides a little bit of, con you know, uh, conflict right up top. Um, if it weren't enough, his father, who's played by Stephen Young, uh, Jacob, and his mother, who's played by Yeri Han, Monica, are really torn on this decision to start this farm. You know, for Jacob, it is the most important thing um, to show his children that he was able to make something and wasn't just, you know, working a, a job where he answered to somebody and, and never makes something of himself or for his family. And, and I just thought, you know, it, it, this, this film is such a perfect, it, it's such a perfect and, and timely reflection on the American dream in, in so many ways. And, you know, I, I think when we, when we here in the U S when we learn about this country and we, we talk so like when we talk so uh, poetically about this country, um, you know, we, we often are looking at the U S as this, this land of opportunity. And, and it's not to say that there isn't, you know, a lot of opportunity abundant here in the States. Um, but this film really looks at, you know, what a more modern immigrant experience is, is like, um, you know, it's looking at that search for home, the ability to carve out something that's right for you. The, the challenges of, you know, in a sense, the challenges of not wanting to conform to your own community, because that's that's a part of this story here. Um, you know, and, and that challenge of, of providing for your family, that, that challenge of, you know, uh, our masculine ideal in, in a sense, that idea of, you know, what does it mean to be a man within the context of the United States, you know? And I, and I just think 
it so wonderfully tells all of these stories about kind of that adaptation about, you know, wanting to be a part of that kind of red, white, and blue fabric. Yet at the same time, it, it tells this smaller story of a, a family that is trying to hang on to each other by a thread, um, but in some instances is also challenged by and, and threatened by, you know, differences in, in cultural perspective. You know, one of the one of the really important characters in this film um, is, you know, little David. And and I before I before I forget to mention her, I'm not going to forget to mention her, but the character Anne, played by Noelle Cho, Cho um, who is the other child of this family, um, she, she gives a, a wonderfully um, she gives a wonderful kind of big sister um, performance where, you know, it is so clear that she she loves her brother. She loves her family, um, you know, but because her brother has an ailment, because, you know, her dad is, you know, obsessed with making this farm work because her mother is, you know, really dealing some with with depression, um, you know, and is just doing her best to try to kind of hold it together and, and be there for the people that need her, um, you know, and so I know just in, in talking about films so often, I, I feel like a lot of our, our actresses are, are overlooked, especially, you know, uh, you know, our, our child actresses. So I really just wanted to give her a shout out because the entire time I was watching the film, I, I was really thinking about what she was doing on screen, how she was interacting with her screen brother, how she was interacting with her, her screen mother, her screen grandmother, her screen father. Um, you know, and all of that w was quite beautiful. Um, you know, the, both both of these children, you know, were just acting up a storm. But the character that I wanted to mention um, was uh, Sonjo, or, or the kid's grandmother, who is played by Ya Jong Yun, and she she isn't your your typical grandmother. There, there's there's no such thing as a really typical grandmother, um, but she doesn't play into the grandma stereotype and that adds an interesting layer of conflict for for little David who you know he he is young enough to have a specific perception of what a grandma is supposed to be she's supposed to be kind and quiet and she's supposed to bake you cookies and all of that and and his grandmother doesn't do any of those things, um, you know, and it really is just kind of about the, it really is about that relationship and things not, I guess the, the way that I would say it is, is a lot of this story revolves around the idea that, you know, things are going to be harder than we expect them to be. Um, you know, but we have to have the resilience to really let them blossom. And, and that that's reflected in the name of the film. That's reflected in the the action and the story that we're being told. And I, I just think it, it is so beautifully, beautifully done. Um, 
you know, as always, I, I really have to uh, praise, you know, the cinematographer who worked on it. You know, obviously, you know, a lot of this was Lee Isaac Chung's vision, but, you know, you have to work with a great cinematographer to bring that that stuff to life. Um, he he worked with uh, Lachlan Milne, uh, who who's worked on things like Stranger Things. He's worked on Love and Monsters. Um, he's worked on Little Monsters, which I don't know if I ever reviewed that on here. It's a, it's a weird, weird little movie. And he's done a, a ton of short films. And, you know, I, I just think he he had the right vision to match up with Lee Isaac Chung's story and it just kind of worked beautifully um you know Harry Yoon did a fantastic job editing this film uh Emil Mosseri's uh score you know did the work that it needed to do being understated yet punctuating things at, at the right times um the production design by by young okali and and everything like all of this just worked so beautifully because you know again you're you're looking at a period piece set in you know the american west you know what does that what does that look like how do you make it look right and and you know the the production design the art design um, the, you know, the, the set decoration, costume design, makeup, they all did a, a great job, you know, and I, and I, you know, obviously period pieces, you have, you have something to work against, but you know, again, it's, it's still amazing work and it deserves to be praised. Um, one, one performance that, that I don't want to, uh, forget to mention uh, before I kind of move too far away from this film uh, is Will Patton's portrayal of a character named Paul. Um, and, and Paul represents something else in this film that I, I thought was kind of important to talk about, and, and that is faith. Um, so, you know, one of the elements of this film that is... I can't say it's it's understated because the character of Paul exists in the film and, he, and he's fairly prominent um, in this family's lives, but uh, I, I don't know exactly what type of uh, Christianity Paul follows. I, I believe he may have said it in the film, but I, I did not write it down. Um, but, you know, he's he's one of those people who who speaks in tongues and, and believes in exorcisms. And, you know, on Sunday, as part of his ritual, as, as part of his observation of Christianity, he marches um, across. Um, he literally carries a cross. And, you know, I, I think it is kind of a wonderful representation of the the different ways that that people express their faith and how you know there there isn't really a wrong way to do so you know we we are shown regular you know, quote unquote regular church going in this film and and that is juxtaposed against um against Paul's practice and you know I, I just think it's it's wonderfully done and and it really serves as this reminder that we 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 shouldn't be judgmental of the way that other people choose to observe their fate faith um 
you know, and, and again, I think that as, as someone like me who, you know, technically speaking, like my household growing up was was fairly non-religious, um, you know, like I we'd argue that that we uh, you know we could argue that we were christian but we we didn't really go to church for a while and then we did and then we stopped um you know i i have read an awful lot of the bible um you know but but i consider myself agnostic and and one of the things that i am always interested in even though you know i have my doubts, you know, I, I am always interested in the faith expression of others. How do they go about speaking about manifesting, exploring their faith? And I, I think that's something else that's really important in this film. You know, what, what are the aspects that we take from others in, in building our own faith identity? Um, you know, and, and again, like it, it's not the direct point of the film, you know, in, in some ways it's an aside, but, you know, for me, it was it was somewhat hard to ignore, um, you know, especially especially when you're thinking about a film where, you know, you're watching a family deal with hardship. It, it's hard to not think about how faith plays into all of that. So, um you know, I, I, again, I, I just think overall this this film is is beautifully it's it, it's wonderfully acted. Um, you know, I, Jacob and Monica's performances. I, I, I guess I didn't fully talk about them, but you know, really, what I want to say is they just did a beautiful job of of playing a married couple who are hanging on by a thread and and what does that look like and how do they how do they navigate loving each other yet loving each other loving their children you know loving their family yet having radically different ideas of where to take their family and what is best for their family um you know and kind of watching them weave past each other in these ideas it was just so well done so uh, i i say all of that to say that minari is is a really beautiful film um i i definitely think it is i mean 2021 is 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 still fresh but for me so far um this is one of my favorite films that i've seen this year um I just thought it was so beautiful and I, and I know it's going to hang with me for a while. Um, at the time of recording this, I, I don't know how available it is to watch. Um, A24 has been hosting virtual screenings. Uh, I don't know how long those are going to continue for, but that is how I saw it. Um, and they included a Q&A with the cast and director immediately following the film. It was you know, the pandemic has not been good. I usually would prefer, prefer to see this type of movie in theaters, but, you know, being able to watch it at home, being able to watch that Q&A immediately after the Q&A was conducted on Zoom. So that was really interesting, a sign of the times. Um, you know, I, I, I can't complain about that experience because I, I thought it was really well done, really well handled. And you know, I wasn't gonna, you know, I, I won't, I won't talk badly about being able to see a beautifully made film in the comfort of my own home. 
So that is enough on Minari. Uh, if you have the chance and it is playing by you or you have a, the ability to catch another virtual uh, virtual screening, definitely make sure that you check it out. It is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful film. Um, and I'd be really interested to hear what you all have to say about it. The next film that I'm going to talk about today is uh, Nomadland. Um, and this is this is also kind of a reflection on the American dream in a way. Um, so Nomadland directed by Chloe Zhao and written for screen by Chloe Zhao based on the book of the same name by Jessica Bruder um, follows the story of this woman Fern who lost everything in the Great Recession. Basically, she was from a town called Empire Nevada, um, which was big for for uh, mica mining that was used in the manufacture of sheetrock. And basically the Great Recession um, destroyed that industry. And so the entire town of Empire that was kind of built around this one specific industry ceased to exist. And around this same time, Fern loses her husband. She has nothing to do because her, her town ceases to exist. And so um, she begins to basically become a, a, a mobile liver or, or a nomad, um, as it were, uh, living in a van and taking on you know, jobs, uh, during different seasons, um, you know, to kind of make ends meet. And, you know, I, I guess I just kind of want to start there because, you know, the, the great recession is something that we, we still feel the impacts of today. And, you know, especially right now, uh, again, at the time of recording this, you know, we're, we're still very much in the midst of the pandemic and, that has a lot of people struggling and, and many things that are happening now are very reminiscent of that period of the Great Recession, job loss, um, you know, displacement, um, people kind of unsure how to move forward, people losing homes, etc. And, you know, in, in a sense, you know, I talked about Minari being being timely in looking at its kind of search for the American dream and and this film is somewhat like this uh, as well because you know on on one hand uh, people who live the nomadic lifestyle and and I just want to be kind of clear with this like the nomadic lifestyle is not something that was invented for this film like there are people who who do live in in vans or RVs they take on jobs they do different things you know, they would not consider themselves homeless, uh, which I think this film does a great job illustrating and talking about, you know, I, I think it's this is a type of film where it's going to be really difficult for some people to put aside their preconceived notions about the way that people are meant to live and the way that and judging the way that other people live. Um, but I think that's something that's really important to do here to really understand the message and understand the way that these folks are living their lives. But, you know, to that degree, you know, on, on one hand, Fern is a character who 
I don't even want to say is is forced into living this way because, you know, we are shown throughout the film that she has ample opportunities to leave it if she so desired. Um, you know, the nomadic lifestyle as we're shown here and, and as we hear from, you know, real life people who, who live that life, which which is I, I um, <laughs> this this is this review might be a little bit all over the place because there's a lot of different elements at work here that I need to talk about. But, you know, Fern in this film is played by Frances McNormand, who is an amazing actress. She's got Academy Awards. She might get another one for this because her her super understated performance is amazing. I talk a lot about face acting um, when I when I talk about films. This is one where her expressions tell one million stories. Um, yes, there there's fantastic line deliveries, they're fantastic, you know, uh, vocal performances, etc. throughout the film, but like, it, it is her face, and it it's her expression, it is her body language, it is her, you know, her quirks. She, she is one of those people that her, again, her face tells a thousand stories, and she does um, so well at it, but so she is playing this fictional character, but she is juxtaposed by acting against real people playing fictionalized versions of themselves. So this film features this man, uh, Bob Wells, who is an actual, I, I, I don't know what to, what the right word for this is, but like he is like a, we'll call him a thought leader for, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, he is a thought leader on kind of this mobile living movement, and he has this YouTube channel where he kind of helps people understand and get into the mobile lifestyle. He hosts these, you know, mobile nomad meetups. And so he plays a, a fictionalized version of himself in this film. It's basically him, uh, but it's not him because it's a movie. Um, you know, you meet characters like Linda May, who is, you know, actually Linda May. She is actually this nomad. You meet Swanky, who is actually Swanky. You know, most of the people that Fern is interacting with this film, within this film, are actual people. And that adds this this really interesting layer to the film that that makes it feel almost like a documentary, almost like a documentary without a narrator, without kind of your interview segments. And, you know, I, I think there's something really interesting and beautiful about that, letting letting these non-actors really kind of put aspects of themselves on display, aspects of their personality on display. Um, you know, some of these some of these folks are just so endearing. I, I had a brief, you know, uh, I, one of one of my friends and I had kind of tweeted back and forth at each other about um, the character of Swanky and just like how much how much we we loved that character and their story in this film. And you know, I found myself like going and and looking at at Swanky's little blog just to kind of see you know, what Swanky was like in real life and, and seeing this character, um, you know, on screen juxtaposed against their, their real life character and realizing like, oh no, they, she 
pretty much was herself in this film. Like that's that's awesome. That's something that we we don't see every day. And I think that's there's a level of reality that 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 Chloe Zhao is able to really capture in this film by by doing something like that. And and I think that's really interesting. So so you know. Chloe Zhao as a director was 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 born in in Beijing, China, and really is coming at looking at the American West in this this really interesting and and poetic way, um, and looking at these people with this nomadic lifestyle in a really interesting way that that strips away. Um, I, I guess the way that I would put it, it, it strips away the kind of like. American idealism that would force us to look down on these folks and would force the film in the direction of being like poverty porn. Um, because these folks are shown so much respect with regards to their lifestyle in this film. And like, yes, things are not perfect in this lifestyle there there are aspects that are are difficult to watch um as somebody who you know lives in a physical space that does not move you know there there are times when i was watching the film where i was like i i couldn't imagine living like that but it was it was made clear that this in most of these cases this was a choice these people were looking to live in this way for specific reasons to themselves and, and i thought that was really beautiful i think that's something that we don't do enough with film and especially with films looking at people who might live in you know a different type of life you know it, it we so often here in the states are obsessed with you know, the idea of pulling yourself up from your bootstraps and, you know, it, it's it's almost disgusting to be poor uh, or it's disgusting to to not live in a way that we would consider mainstream or normal. Um, and I think this film serves as a really interesting refutation of that idea and and again just so beautifully captures that because you know I, I found myself having so much respect for the people that live this way and you know because there's there's sometimes we've all thought about it like what if we could just you know like live and just drive across the country and experience everything that the country has to offer and I'm watching this film and I'm seeing people that are doing just that. They are they are experiencing everything that the country has to offer and probably have a better understanding of the country than than most of us do because they're willing to, you know, ingratiate themselves to the lands. They're they're willing to explore, they're willing to do different things, they're willing to you know, be dirtier, be stinkier than most of us would be willing to do. And that gives them, you know, a unique perspective. It gives them a unique vantage point for really observing the fabric of, of, of what makes up America. And I think that, that, that really is just, you know, again, it's like, I can't, it's hard to put into words. Like, I, I just think it's, it's very beautiful from a craft standpoint from a filmmaking standpoint you know again this film is beautiful um you know for the film 
uh, Chloe Zhao worked with cinematographer Joshua James Richards, who uh, also worked with her on The Writer, uh, her 2017 film, um, and worked with Francis Lee on God's Own Country. Um, you know, really great cinematographer, really great at capturing the American West, um, makes it look so beautiful. Not to say that the American West isn't beautiful, but captures it wonderfully, really makes it clear why people would fall in love um, with exploring that side of the country and, and you know, how much beauty there is and how much beauty there is in kind of the desolation and isolation of it. You know, we are largely following one character who spends large amounts of their time alone, punctuated by by these really beautiful moments with other characters, you know, either in groups or really just one on one situations. And, and I, I think all of that is told in the film beautifully. Um, you know, the other things that I have to say, the music by uh, Ludovico Ainaudi, our, our, his score is just fantastic in this film, really beautiful. Um, he's worked on in the past on, on stuff like um, The Untouchables. He's worked on uh, Sharp Objects. He's... You know, he's kind of worked on a bit of everything. You know, that's like one of the cool things about, you know, kind of doing music, making music. Um, he's a composer on on quite a few, uh, you know, um, European films. Uh, a lot of stuff that I haven't seen, a lot of stuff that I haven't heard of, uh, but his his work has kind of made it around in, in so many different ways. But, you know, really, really beautiful work that lends itself to the way that this story is being told and the moments that his score pops up on um, are, are quite beautiful. Um, you know, again, this is another film with, with great production design. The cinematographer, Joshua James Richards, also did the production design. Um, Elizabeth Godard's art direction is great. Uh, Hannah Peterson's costume design is fantastic. You know, it, it, it all just works so well together. And again, like it, it, it feels... It feels real. It feels documentarian, and I and I think that's something that that really made this film feel unique. Now, I I, I do have to say, you know, for me personally, I, I do think the film could have been a bit shorter. There were a few moments that I felt were drawn out. I know the effect that that the director was probably going for, uh, the director and editor, because I think one of the things that is really interesting about this to me is that Chloe Zhao also served as the editor on this film, um, which, you know, I, I love when, when people really are kind of working, you know, both of those parts, they're, they're really taking, in a sense, like full ownership over their film. Um, but I, I do feel like it could have been a little bit shorter. Uh, one of the things that I fear with this film, almost a little bit more than, than Minari, is I, I fear that this film may come across as a bit boring to to some viewers, you know, and and I think part of that is the pacing. Part of that is the length. Uh, part of that is the solitude of the film. I, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of moments where Fern is alone and it is quiet and it is 
you know, it is not the most action packed film. Um, and so that can be quite difficult for some audiences to get through. You know, I personally would have shaved off maybe 15, 20 minutes. There was a point where I, I thought it was going to end and it kind of continued. Um, I, you know, and, and I, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, what, what scenes, what elements could have been, excised to to give us a more kind of trim portrait um but that said i i think there there were some really beautiful moments in this film and i, and I think there's a lot that folks can take away and you know this film is in theaters right now and it's also on hulu i i, I hope that people take advantage of it being on hulu to watch it and, and really experience it and really think about it and not just outright kind of dismiss it, not, you know, outright dismiss people living this nomadic life. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, if, if anything that, that the two movies that I, that I watched uh, for, for this episode say anything to me, it, it really is about, you know, being more accepting, understanding difference, understanding difference of lifestyle, um, you know, and respecting those differences, you know, not not tolerating differences, but but respecting differences and respecting the choices that people are making to live their lives in a specific way, even if you may not agree with them. Um, I, I, I just think that is a message that more of us need to take away from, you know, this this work. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think it is a beautiful film. I think that if you are able to, you know, contend with the solitude, the quietness, the the pacing, the length of it, I, I think you'll have a very beautiful experience. For some of you, it may not be for you, though. Uh, so, yeah, those are my thoughts on Minari and Nomadland. <laughs> So what do you think? Agree, disagree, were Minari and Nomadland masterpieces to you or were you a bit disappointed with those films? Uh, are they just not your cup of tea? Let me know. Hit me up at stay watching pod on Twitter, stay watching pod at gmail.com, or you can reach out to me directly at Larry Tron pretty much everywhere on social media or Larry at lm2photo.com. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your thoughts on films. I want to hear what films are coming up that you want to hear my opinions on. Um, I am going to try to stick to two films each Monday. Um, that way it doesn't get too bogged down. I know in the past I've tried to do, you know, three or four films. Um, you know, back then I was going to the theater a lot more, so it was a little bit easier to, to squeeze a few more movies in. But I like this format. I like that I'm able to, you know, really talk about these films in depth. Um, so I'm going to try to continue with that. I think next week I'm going to have to talk about that new Tom and Jerry movie. Hopefully I can find something else uh, that is um, not going to be stupid. Um but, but, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I, I don't mind Tom and Jerry. We'll, 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 we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the inherent racism of those old cartoons and see if vestiges of it still pop up in this new movie. But 
that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I love talking to you about this stuff. Um, I did take a mini break from the regular episodes. Um, it was somewhat unintentional. Uh, I had initially planned to record an episode about my thoughts on WandaVision and the kind of the new TV model that's being used on streaming. So basically shows being released episodically as opposed to dumped and binged. Um, but I decided that I'm going to wait till that series ends so that I can talk about the series in full. So uh, we basically have two weeks of that series left at the time of my recording this. So um, that episode will probably be out within three weeks. I do have a couple of bonus episodes that I'm planning to record, so those will be in your feed uh, this week and next week. Uh, so look forward to those. In the meantime, like I said, hit me up, tell me what you're watching, tell me what you want me to watch or want to hear my thoughts on. I love doing this. I, I love that that we're back in action. I love that I am taking the time to watch some films at home and rather than just not watching any films. Um, and I love that there are good films coming out. I know we're in award season. So like I did last year, once the Academy Award nominees are announced, I will hopefully try to see all of the films uh, that are nominated for Best Picture specifically and do an episode like I did last year where I break down my thoughts on those films and kind of share which one I would love to see win. Um, and I'll probably sprinkle in some thoughts about some of the other, you know, categories such as the performances. So um, look forward to all of that. I'm sure it will be coming up in the next few weeks. As always, stay watching, fam. Peace.